Um, this morning, my name's uh, Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it really is always an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you, um, and so I, I'm so glad every time I get this opportunity, and uh, this morning, I wanted to start off just a little bit with something that we're kind of all familiar with so that we're all on the same page this morning. And we've probably learned this at some point in time in our lives, uh, and it's just simply this. It's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what the problem is to begin with. It's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what the problem is to begin with. So when I was younger and the front of my car would start smoking um, and, and smoke would come out or there was a knocking inside of the engine of my car or something was leaking or my car just wouldn't start, I would do what every other young man does and I would, I would go to the front of the car, I would pop the hood, I would open it up and I would stand there with my hands on the hood of the car and I would look intently into the engine. And, and then I would shut the hood because I have no idea what the problem is with my engine and I would call my dad or I would call a mechanic or I would call a repairman because, because I don't know what the problem is with my engine. Um, because my dad only taught me how to change the oil, how to change the tires and how to change the battery and that's about as far as my knowledge goes of anything mechanical with the car. But probably all of you have experienced this at some point in time where you've tried to solve a problem and it seems impossible because you don't even know what the problem is to begin with. And I think at some point in time, you and I, we've even tried to solve the problem of us. I mean, you've tried to solve you before, haven't you? You've tried to solve you and, and maybe your spouse sent you to counseling to try to solve you because they told you, if you don't get you figured out, then I'm not gonna hang around anymore. I mean, some of you, seriously, you, you've, you've lost a marriage because you haven't been able to solve the problem of you. So, some of you have invested an incredible amount of money or lost an incredible amount of money because you haven't been able to solve the problem of you. Some of you have lost your career. Some of you have lost relationship with your kids or with your parents because you haven't been able to solve the problem of you. And, and so today, I, I just want us to look and I want us to think about What's our problem? What's wrong with us? Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Why does it seem like we can't solve the problem of us? Why does it seem like everywhere we go, we're always there? We're always tripping over ourselves and we're kind of getting in the way of ourselves sometimes. It seems like that we're the issue and we've tried to solve it, but we just seem to not be able to do that. And so today, I, I just want us to look at a couple of verses in the Bible, and if you're brand new to church, if you're watching online today, welcome to you, thank you so much for joining us. Maybe you, you've come back to church for the first time in a really, really long time, and, and, and what I'm gonna say this morning, you're probably gonna think to yourself, I, I would have assumed that that's what a pastor would say, I, I would assume that's what a pre preacher would say or a Christian would say, that's what I thought someone would say if, if I came back to church. For some of you, this is gonna be review. For some of you, this is gonna be brand new. But there's a, a guy in the Bible and, and he kind of pulls back the curtain, so to speak, and, and he shows us what's wrong with us. And, and his name was Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, over half of the New Testament, Paul writes. 
and we're gonna be looking at this book of Romans. Now, now Romans can be a little bit confusing because Paul, more than likely, he wasn't writing this down, he was dictating it. And this was before text messaging kids, this was before typewriters, for some of you seniors, this, this was before they invented whiteout, okay? They, this, someone's writing as fast as they possibly can to keep up with Paul while he's dictating this. And they didn't, they weren't able to correct it. And so Paul, sometimes he would go on rabbit trails and he would jump from this subject to that subject. And and so sometimes Romans can be a little bit confusing. But luckily, lucky for us, there are some brilliant men and women who have studied this book for decades and have written their thoughts down. And so I just want to kind of encapsulate what Paul says the problem is with you and with me. And, and again, regardless if this is your first time here, I think these first few verses is something that you can relate to. Even if you don't believe in the Bible, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in God, this first verse, I think all of us are gonna be on a level playing field because all of us can relate to this. So Romans chapter seven, we're gonna be in chapter seven, then we're gonna hop to chapter five, then we're gonna finish up at chapter six. But Romans chapter seven, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. If you have your electronics, please just make sure you're not playing Angry Birds, or if you are, shut the sound off, okay, so that, that no one else is distracted with that. But, but in Romans chapter 7, I, I want to read this verse, and I think all of us can relate to this. So this is what Paul says, Romans chapter 7 and verse number 15. He says, I do not understand what I do. Don't raise your hand. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate... I do. And and if I do not do what I want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, this can be the Bible law. This could be the religion that you grew up in, their law. This could be the society's law. This could be any number of laws. but, But Paul's even pointing into your internal law. I mean, forget about the church. Forget about what your mother-in-law tells you to do. Forget about what your family tells you to do. You have an internal law inside of you, don't you? I mean, you don't even do what you think you should do, right? Amen, thank you. You don't even do what you, you think you should do. You know that, hey, if I did this, if I ate better, I, I'd be a healthier person. If I, I'd be a better employee. I, if I did this, then I'd be a better husband. I'd be a better wife. I'd be a better student. I, I'd be a better son or daughter. I, I would do better if I would just do what I know I'm supposed to do. And, and Paul says, I, why, why is that? Why can't I do what I know I'm supposed to be doing? And, and listen to what else he says here. In verse 18, for I, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, I keep on doing. So why don't we do what we're supposed to do, church? I mean, just think how awesome church services could be. You would hear the incredible worship team. You would hear an awesome song from the choir, and Pastor Dan would get up here, and he would say, hey, guys, welcome to church today. Stop it. I mean, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't need a Bible. You would just need a three-by-five card. Don't, stop, start, always, repeat. Okay, awesome, I got it. I mean, because, come on, seriously. Do you really need another diet book? No, no you don't. Do do you really need to watch another television show where they're giving you advice? No. Do you really need someone to say, hey, you you shouldn't drink so much? 
Do you really need someone to tell you that? Do you really need someone to say, hey, you shouldn't click on that. It just pollutes your mind. It ruins your marriage. It ruins your relationship. It ruins the way that you view the opposite sex. I mean, come on. Do you really need someone else telling you that, church? Do you really need someone else telling you, study hard, manage your finances well, pay now, play later? Do do you really need someone else giving you advice? Isn't the problem that we just don't do what we know that we're supposed to do? And so Paul is saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Why does it seem, even though we know what we're supposed to do, even though we have the alerts, even though we have the apps, even though we've read a thousand books on it, why does it seem that I can't do what I'm supposed to do? And so Paul is going to point this out, and he's going to kind of show us once again why this is so important and why it is so relevant to your life and to my life. So if you want to flip over to chapter 5 and beginning in verse number 6, Paul is going to show us what the problem is. And this is what he says. Romans 5, 6. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, and Paul is alluding to that verse that he's going to talk about in chapter 7 where I can't do what I want to do. We're, we're powerless. It feels like I'm powerless to this thing that's going on inside of me. Christ died for the ungodly, and this is kind of where we pump the brakes or we hit the speed bump, because none of us in this room would ever say, I'm ungodly, right? No one would say, hey, I'm an ungodly person. We, we like to say it this way, especially in our culture in America nowadays, we just like to say it this way, well, no one's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I mean, give them a break. No one is perfect. That's the kind of the excuse that, that we, we like to, to give ourselves a little bit of an out. Well, no one's perfect. So I, I want to help you kind of hurdle this first word here about ungodly. So all of us believe, even if you're, again, not a Christian, most major religions believe that God is perfect. Okay, so you are imperfect, or we can change the preposition. You are unperfect. You're unperfect. You are unlike God, so you are ungodly. You're ungodly. You guys get it? Ungodly, unperfect. Unperfect. So you, you and I, we, we're ungodly. And, and so what I want you to do is, just really quickly here, I want you to find one other person, preferably someone you don't know, and just look them in the eye and say, you're ungodly. Just look at them real quick and say, you're ungodly. <laughs> Pastor, don't get up. Don't get up. Don't get up. All right, I said just one person. Some of you are like, I've been waiting for this. And you're running to to find the person to tell them how Pastor Michael told me to come and tell you you're ungodly. Finally. Um, But but you're ungodly. I'm ungodly. And and Paul is describing this. He's saying it's not because of anything you've done that you're ungodly. It's the fact that you are unlike God, that there is only one God, and he's perfect in all of his ways. He's perfect in everything he's ever done. And so you are not like God. You are ungodly. And, and so Paul goes on here. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might dare to die. Pa- Paul is saying this, that while you were ungodly, wh- while you were separated from God, while you were kind of shaking your fist at God and saying, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you've told me to do. God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Get out of my life. Get out of my face. I I don't want anything to do with you, God. Paul is saying, while while you were still pushing God away, that Christ died for you. I mean, very rarely do we find anyone taking a bullet for someone. Just He's saying, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person or for a good person. Someone might dare to die. I mean, they may take a bullet, but, but Christ, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he goes on to say, that Christ died for us. God's love is at a totally different level than our love. God's love is at a totally different level than our love. That, that while he was hanging on the cross, if you guys have read the Gospels, you, you know this. Jesus is hanging on the cross. They're spitting at him. They've, they've punched him in the face. They've whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And what does he say? Even while he's hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they have no idea what they're doing. Who does that? Who, who would do that? Who loves that kind of way? When someone is rude and angry and hateful and even hurtful towards them, who loves like that? And Paul says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were acting that way, that Christ died for us. He he goes on to say it this way. Therefore, in, in verse 12, I'm skipping down to verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Paul is saying the reason that Jesus had to die on the cross, the reason that he had had to be pierced, the reason that he had to be mocked and ridiculed is because someone had to pay the price for the sin. And so Jesus becomes that sacrifice. And he introduces us to this word right here. And it's just simply this, sin. And what Paul is trying to do is to describe to you, I want you to think of sin as a noun, and not as a verb. I I want you to think of sin as a a noun, as a thing, as a disease, as something that that has polluted the world, has polluted humanity, because a lot of times we try to deal with our sinning, our lusting, our sinning, our lying, our cheating, our coveting. We we try to deal with those things. And, And he says, no, the root of the problem is sin, not your sinning. The, the thing that has separated you away from God is not necessarily what you've done. The thing that has separated you from God is actually what's true about you. It is the fact that you have this disease in your life. And he, he's saying the first person that lets sin come into the world, so imagine with me a world where there's no sin, where there's no hate, where there's no racism, where there's no lying, where there's no cheating, where there's no stealing, where, where there's no coveting. Imagine this perfect world that God created. He says, and then through one man, one man opened the door to let sin come in. And he's gonna tell us who that man was. He, he takes us all the way back to Genesis and he, he says, the reason that this came into the world is because of this guy right here, Adam. So Adam opens the door to sin, and sin comes in in through the world. And and he says, when Adam let let sin in, he also let death in. And and all of us know this is true. I I mean, I've done this. 
we've all killed relationships in our life, right? Maybe not with like physically killed somebody, but, but where we've killed, we've cut off relationships because we've allowed sin to control our lives. We, we've killed relationships, we've, we've killed our finances. Some of you have killed your career because of the sin problem that you have that you keep going back to and you don't wanna do it, but you keep running back to it and, and you're wondering why it has a hold on you. And, and so he says, the reason that sin came into the world was through Adam and the reason that you have this problem with sin is because you were born into Adam. When, when Adam sinned, it was as if we all sinned with him. So we're gonna play a little game here this morning. This is me. And I was born into Adam, okay? This is my wife, Linnell, because she has red hair, okay? So, so Linnell is as amazing as she is, as beautiful as she is, as perfect as she is. She was born into Adam. She was born into sin. Okay, hon, I'm just going to set you right here just for a second right there, okay? Um, my three kids, Abigail, definitely in sin. <laughs> Liliana, I, I could... I mean, she's like at the bottom, <laughs> like she's, she, Malachi, he's kind of teetering up here, but he's in sin, okay? I, I know it's hard to believe, Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan was born in sin, okay? Think of the best people that you know, Billy Graham, sin, Mother Teresa, even though she's a saint, sin, okay? Mary Evans, even Mary Evans, church, <laughs> Mary Evans was in sin, isn't that crazy? I mean, Paul says every single person born into Adam, all of humanity was polluted. Okay, hon, I love you, okay? But I gotta put you in there, right there, okay? We, we were all, when Adam sinned, we were all born into sin. And again, it's not because of what you've done that has separated you from God. Did you know that? He says it's because who you're related to. Because Adam was the first one to allow sin to come into the world. Now since Adam has let sin into the world, now all of humanity has been polluted by this thing we call sin. And so now we're all born in Adam. We're, we're all born into sin. And so Paul, Paul is describing this, and he goes on, in, and I want to point something out to you, because a lot of times, in, and again, if you're not from a church background, if you're not a follower of Christ, you're probably saying, well, that's not fair. I mean, it's not because of us. That, why, why are we being punished for what Adam did? And some of you work in hospitals. Some of you have been close to families where, where children have been born because of some Bad decisions that parents have made. Now this children has a disease or a sickness and, and many times these infants don't live through it. And, and I've been in the hospital rooms and holding the children that have been infected with this disease from this mom or dad. And, and I'm holding them and they're crying and they're in pain and they're hurting. And, and many times I, I've been to funerals where, where the child dies. And, and I wanna say it, it's not fair. And, and it's not fair, but it's true. It's still true. And we have been infected, so to speak, with, with this disease called sin. And when you were born, I, I mean, all of us that have had children or you have grandchildren, I mean, all of us have experienced this. 
We think our grandchildren are, or how, how cute our little grandchildren are and, and how precious they are. She's such a sweetheart. She's such an angel. She's so beautiful. She's so sweet. She's so precious. And then what happens at around two years old, the terrible twos? We, we say, wow, I, I don't know what got into her. I, I don't know what got into him. And Paul says, I do. I know what got into him. I know what got into her. It, it's this. I mean, you've never had to teach your children how to sin. You, you never had to be taught how to sin. It came naturally to you. Why? Because you were born in Adam. You were born in sin. And so Paul goes on. Because this is the problem. So now we, we can... Maybe all agree, this, this is our problem, this is our issue, but he starts to point us to the solution. And in verse 15, this is what he says, we're still in chapter five, he says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And that he introduces us to our second character here, and it's just simply this. What, what Paul is saying, what he's describing is this. He says, whenever you decide to follow Jesus, whenever you decide to follow Christ, what, what, what they just celebrated up in that baptiz, baptismal tank just this morning, he says, you have moved from Adam to Christ. That now you are no longer in death, you are no longer in sin, you are no longer in condemnation, you are no longer in, in the bondage that you were once in, you are no longer in your addiction, you are no longer in hell, you are actually in Christ. You're in Christ. That you're a new creation to which many of us, we, we, so many times we forget about this. We say, well, I thought that meant that one day I, when I asked Jesus into my heart or maybe when I was in kindergarten I prayed a prayer or I got baptized when I was little, I, I thought that just meant one day that I'm gonna get to go to heaven whenever I'm old or whenever I'm dying. And, and Paul says, that's true, that's absolutely true, but that's not what I'm talking about. That you are in Christ, that you have new life in this life right now. That you don't have to wait till one day when you have angel wings or, or where you look like you did when you were 19 or, or whatever it is, Paul says, that, that has nothing to do with that. You're actually right now, when you make a commitment to Christ, you have been moved from Adam and now you are in Christ. And all throughout Paul's writings, if you've ever read Paul's epistles, he keeps saying things like this, in Christ, in Christ, through Christ, in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we'll see this on posters. Uh, we'll see athletes cross themselves and point to Jesus. They'll, they have wristbands about it. They have all of this promotional stuff. And Paul's saying, hey, that's great. Keep promoting. Keep putting the posters up at football games and basketball games and baseball games. But Jesus didn't come and down across so you could throw a football. Jesus didn't come and down across so you could shoot a basketball. Jesus came and died on the cross so that you could move from death to life. So that you could move from this life and you could have a brand new life in Christ. That you are a brand new creation. You are a brand new creature in Christ because of what Christ has done for you. And then in chapter 6, and we're almost done, all right? So if you've fallen asleep, if you got distracted on your phone, come back, all right? This is the best part. This is the best part right here. Chapter 6, he says, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin 
Chapter six and verse number 11, I'm sorry I didn't say that. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of yourself to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as, though, as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer each part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin no longer, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. You are not under the law but under grace. And Paul is doing something incredible here. He's saying when you move from Adam and I'm just gonna keep taking a few people at a time and moving them over to Christ. When you move from Adam to Christ, sin is no longer your master. This isn't your master any longer. And some of you, you, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've just forgotten. And maybe you've been here and you're like, well, Michael, I thought I was just supposed to be a better version of Adam. I thought I was just supposed to try harder and and pray and and read my Bible enough and memorize enough scripture. And then I'd be a better version of Adam. And someday in the sweet by and by when we meet on those beautiful shores, then I would be all that I'm supposed to be. And he's saying, hey, you're no longer trapped in. This is not your master. So, So when sin tries to text you, when sin DMs you, when sin, sin Snapchats you, you can say this to sin. Hey, sin, you're not my master anymore. You're not my master. Because sin is going to come and it's going to knock on your door. And it's going to ask for you again. It's going to say, hey, remember what we did last spring break? Remember what we did last summer? Do you remember how, how we used to, remember how much fun we would have when we would go out and I, remember all that we used to do? And you can say, you know what, sin, you're not my master anymore. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not going back to how it used to be. I'm a brand new creation. And I'm not gonna live in shame and I'm not gonna live in regret and I'm not gonna live in condemnation. I'm not gonna live in all of those things. I'm gonna live in the grace of God. And I'm not completely who I want to be yet, but, but I'm not going to allow sin to just trip me up and keep pulling me back down. And, and so I'll do this on occasion, church. I'll, I'll say, God, today I give you my eyes because I know sin is going to want to come and it's going to ask for my eyes and it's going to say, hey, Michael, just look over there. Look, just click on that. Michael, look, no one's around. No one's ever going to find out. Come on. And I have to remind myself, God, would would you take my eyes today and would you help me to see the world through your eyes? God, would you take my hands today because I know that sin is gonna come and it's gonna ask for my hands, but I don't wanna live in sin anymore. I I, I wanna live for Christ. I I wanna die to the old Michael, the way I used to live in it. And I wanna, God, would, would you take my feet today? Because I know sin is going to want to take me places that I know I shouldn't go. Sin is going to want to take me places that I know I have no business being there. So God, would you take my feet today? Would you help me to offer my body up as, as instruments of righteousness instead of just doing what I've always done? God, and I know that I know that I know that I know that sin is going to come and ask for my mouth. It's going to say, just say it. It'll be funny. Everybody will laugh. 
Just make fun of them. Just, just belittle them just a little bit. Sin is going to come and ask for my mouth, and it's going to tell me to, to say certain things, or it's going to want me to say certain things. And so, God, would, would, you, would you take control over my mouth? God, would you put, like, a, a muzzle over my mouth, God, and help me not to say the things that I know I shouldn't say because sin is no longer my master, and because I've moved from Adam I've got to find Lily down there somewhere. And, and I've, I've moved from Adam and I've moved over here. I've moved over here to Christ. God, God would, you, would you take my eyes? Would you take my hands? Would you take my feet? And I know it sounds cheesy, a little bit church and, and a little bit old school, but God, would you take me? Because I don't want to have sin be my master any longer. And so church, what, what's wrong with you? What, what's wrong with me? It's... It's sin. It, it, it's this disease of sin that has polluted our lives and has polluted humanity. And, and Paul says, remember. Remember, you, you've, you've moved from Adam to Christ. It, it's almost, if you've ever seen that movie, The Wizard of Oz, I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, but at the end, Glenda comes up to Dorothy and she's like, you had the power the whole time. That's, that's my best Glenda, okay, so. And Dorothy's like, what, I did? And he, she's like, yes, you did. It's those ruby red slippers. If you'll just click them three times, you'll get to go home. And, and so many times, church, you've forgotten how powerful you are because you're in Christ. You've forgotten, you've forgotten who you are. You, you keep thinking that you're an Adam. You keep thinking you're that old person. You, you keep living like that, and, and Jesus, Paul, is trying to tell you, no, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Brent, if, if you can come up just real quick, and we're, gonna, we're done. But I, I just want to, to give you an application for this week. So, so here's your homework, if you will. This week, I want you to find someone in your neighborhood or at work or at the grocery store, and I want you to go up to them, and I, I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to say, you're so ungodly. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm joking. Even though you want to do that, do not do that, okay? No, that's not your application. I, I want you this week, and maybe you need to write it down. And I, I just want us to say this together. Just humor me for one moment, okay? The Cowboys don't play till three o'clock, so we're good. Guys, we're, we're all right. Will you just say, sin is not my master? Can we say that together? Sin is not my master. Sin is not my master. And, and I hope maybe you can write that on your phone. Maybe you can save it on, on your screen. Maybe you can put it on, on your dashboard. Maybe you can write that down somewhere. Maybe it needs to go on your computer. I, I don't know where where it needs to go for you. But maybe this week, you just need to remind yourself, Sam, you're not, you're not my master anymore. I'm not going to let you master me any longer. And Paul, even later on in these chapters, he, he says to the church in Rome, he says, didn't you know? To which they would say, no, Paul, we, we didn't know. Didn't you know who you are now in Christ? And they would say, no, Paul, we... We, we just thought we were supposed to try harder and work harder and, and make it all, and maybe someday it would work out. And he says, didn't you know that you're in Christ now? That you're a new creation? And so maybe for some of you, this is your first time back to church. 
And maybe you've never made the decision to move from Adam to Christ. And and maybe this is your day. Maybe it's not your day, but maybe it is. Maybe you've listened to me talking and you've said, Michael, that's that's exactly what I've been looking for. That's exactly what I've been waiting for. That's that's what I I need to do is to move from Adam to Christ. I, I need, like those folks up there that were getting baptized this morning, I need to declare that sin is not my master anymore. And, and there's no magic formula in saying a prayer. There, there's nothing super spiritual or supernatural about the prayer that we pray. It's just you simply saying, God, I'm a sinner. It, it's because I was born in Adam. It's because of who my great, 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 great grandparents are. And, and God, I, I need to move from Adam to Christ. And, and maybe that's you. Or maybe there's some of you here this morning and, and you're a follower of Christ. You're, you've been following Jesus for a long time or maybe it's been for just a short amount of time. But, but you said, Michael, I, I've never got it. I, I didn't understand that that's how I was supposed to be living. I, I didn't get it that that's how my life was to be. I've just been spinning my wheels and I've been trying really hard, but I end up frustrated I end up falling back into it again over and over and over and over and over again. So would you just bow your heads with me just for one moment? And my first call for you just is this. If that's you, because I want to give you the opportunity, I want to give you a, a chance to commit your life to Christ. And again, there is no pressure here. I don't want you to feel manipulated in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I want it to be genuine. If, if you really feel in your heart, you know what, Michael, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I've been running from God, and I know, now I know what the problem is. Could you just slip up your hand, and then you can put it right back down. Is there anyone in the room this morning? Anybody? Thank you. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hand back down. Thank you, guys. And church, if this is you and you would just simply say, you know what, Michael, I've, I've forgotten that I was in Christ. And I've been letting sin master me instead of remembering who and whose that I am. And Michael, thank you for reminding me today that that I'm in Christ, that I, I'm a new creation, that, that I don't have to live like I used to live. And if, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand and then you could put it right back down and just say, Michael, would you include me in this last prayer? Anybody? Thank you. You can put your hand right back down. Thank you, guys. I see you in the balcony. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Would you stand with me? And if you raised your hand to, to commit your life to Christ, whether you talk to someone that, that you know or maybe it's someone that you came with or you come and find me or one of the pastors, we would be happy to talk to you, to pray with you because this is the beginning of a journey. It's not the end. It's the beginning of this relationship with Christ. We would love to help you with, with you through that, walk with you through that. And church, I just wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you today. And then Brent's going to lead us in this final song and we're going to be dismissed. Thank you so much 
for being brave enough to say, you know what, Michael, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I, I want it to change in my life. Thank you for doing that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for preserving these words literally for thousands of years for us today. Thank you for this reminder that we're in Christ. We've been covered by your grace. We've been covered by your mercy. That we're brand new, that we don't have to allow sin to rule us any longer. Sin is not our master. So God, I pray your blessing over every person who raised their hand this morning. God, I pray that you would give them the strength that they need. God, I pray that you would give them the grace that they need to continue to walk out Monday through Saturday to follow you with all of their heart, with all of their mind, with all of their soul and all of their strength. God, would you bless them? Would you continue, Lord, to remind them of whose they are, that they belong to you, and Lord, that you love them, and you've demonstrated your love on that cross over 2,000 years ago. You've shown us how much you love us. And God, for those who've made a commitment to saying, I wanna follow Christ, God, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, that they would continue to take steps towards spiritual growth. God, they would continue to take steps towards following you each and every day of their lives. God, I pray that you would surround them with people who can be an encouragement to them, who can be a support to them, who can be a help to them. God, would you bless them as they want to follow you. Now, God, we commit the rest of our weekend to you. We bless you and we thank you. God, we pray that you would be with each and every person. Bless every family. Bless every college student. Bless every young adult. God, bless every single mom and every single dad. Lord, work and move in and through our lives this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Brent.